In the far future, faster-than-light travel is possible via portals called stiffworks. Human and alien civilizations travel this way for millennia. Trade, war, and technology proliferate. Countless societies rise, thrive, fall, and vanish. Eventually, almost everyone forgets the secrets of the stiffworks. Almost. 300 years ago, the worshipful company of Stillfleeters is formed on Spindle, a space station of unknown origin. They send fleeters into the void using stiffworks in search of profit. It is 100 million years in the future. Welcome to Float City. Previously on Float City, the crew road trips across the single continent of the planet Kakudun in search of Zeshtino Novell, a company archivist apparently holding up some trade deal concerning the powerful extra-dimensional trade lord, the Saffron Anox, whomst the crew met whilst retrieving a strange and ever-shifting object from the Lovers, a pair of planets he controls in more ways than one. On their journey, they learn that Kakudun is a powder keg. The borders are tightly controlled, and a number of difficulties centered around a region in the southeast has everyone picking sides, or, if you're the co, remaining conspicuously neutral. They're warned several times over that their final destination, No Laster, the city on the bayou in the central swamp called the Jash, is a dangerous place. Case in point, when the crew finally arrives at Zeshtino's apartment, they find her dead. We join them now, having just bust through the front door of her second floor flat, surveying the scene and plotting their next move. Oh, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. You're right there, bud? I <laughs> Do you see this? Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It doesn't smell very good. Yeah, okay, so here's what I think we should do. I've been in situations sort of like this. It's been a very long time. It's been a very long time. What I want to emphasize is that this looks suspicious. We made a lot of noise, and there's a dead body in here. Oh. So grab <laughs> that letter. Let's get the fuck out of here. And uh, wait around the corner and see what happens. <laughs> I I can't go to jail again. I can't go. You're not going to go to jail. Look, I mean, come on. We're not going to go to jail. But also, we don't <laughs> need to cause any more trouble than we need to. And right now, we're standing in a lot of trouble. Eat the dead body. <laughs> no. What? Why would I destroy evidence that does, isn't even linked to us? It's like no one can trace us. Wait, we didn't tell anyone we were coming here, right? No, we didn't. Yeah, uh, we're good. We did ask around. We did ask around. Okay, well, maybe what we should do is... I want to look around in here first before we go. Oh, you're just fine with his dead body now? Interesting. I'm, I'm not fine with it. Oh, I like that you're adapting very quickly, though. <laughs> not fine. Not fine. Okay, so you stay in here and look around. I'm going to go watch in the hallway, and I'll bark if someone is, you know, um, coming. 
Bye. <laughs> and right. Oat runs out into the hallway to keep guard. So just just to describe, if if you want it, if it's helpful to describe the scene once more, like the room that you're in, the door is in the like front right-hand corner of... Uh, this single room apartment. The room is relatively small. Uh, it's not a very huge flat. Uh, directly in front of the door when you get in, there's a writing desk. The writing desk has, you can see a ton of stuff on it. There's a bunch of binders, there's papers, there's handwritten letters and notes, there's uh, Zeshino's what looks like uh, the communicator, which you recognize um, from having seen Orndrum Sasparine use it. Um, on the other side of that, there is uh, like a set of bookshelves um, and some clothes hanging in what looks like a sort of open closet, like hanging unit thing that's to the side of it. Um, in the middle of the room of the apartment towards the back uh, up against the wall is a bed uh, that is made. Uh, it's very neat. Um, just to the left of that is a small jeweler's bench. Uh, so you can see like it's dimly lit. There's like a, a like a very, very small study lamp that's on um, that is lighting up some of the tools and some of the jewelry that's over there. Moving now uh, closer to the front of the apartment, there's a small kitchen table and then a kitchen uh, that is in the bottom left-hand corner. So when walking in, it's all the way to your left. Uh, and then between you and the kitchen is a small seating area with like a couch and a table. Uh, and as you sort of move the torch around, you can see the dark outline of some of these things. Uh, what does the communicator look like? Is it a in-wall thing? Is it a heavy thing? Or is it a portable thing? Yeah, it's a portable thing. It's like a heavy plastic, almost like the size of a textbook, like a dark green plastic form with these big chunky keys on it and a small uh, like green readout screen. Mm. Beta, upon seeing the scene and seeing this, you know, dead body, her kind of healer sense comes in and she's like, okay, this is a situation where one person is dead. I need to make sure my team is safe. So she pulls out of her bag that big, heavy helmet um, that she has and she hands it to Venus and she goes, you have no, you have a nose. Do you think you could use this? Yes. <laughs> yes, more information would be helpful. Uh, Venus is stroking his beard. He's got a very concerned look on his face. Um, by the way, Mike, have we positively identified this as Zashdano? Not yet. Okay. You have not. I mean, um, okay, again, I so will say Remy did speak with the whatever powers that be and got nothing back. And this is their apartment. You mean they're not wearing a shirt that says, I am <laughs> You probably feel very confident, but you, you do not have certitude. Let's put it that way. Okay. Do we have access to some sort of picture of Zashdano so we get we can do that? Or is that beyond us right now? Or I think Mercus was heading toward the desk to okay, look yeah. if there was anything, like an ID card or yeah. something. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you when you get over there, there is uh, a bunch of piles of letters uh, that have been opened um, that are unfolded and sitting there. Do you like look at stuff or are you just sort of giving like a broad overview? How much detail do you want to look at each thing with? Just wants to look, doesn't want to touch anything. 
Okay, yeah. So you see a bunch of piles of letters uh, that are handwritten. Um, none of them are signed uh, Zeshtino. They are all from other people. Uh, you see the communicator, uh, which is on, uh, but it has a lock on its screen. You also see uh, a bunch of paperwork, um, including very official looking company paperwork. So things from the Worshipful Co. Um, some of those things are addressed to Zeshtino Novell. You also see the corner of what looks like a large leather journal sticking out uh, from the piles of some of those papers has this nice kind of like brass um, like protector on the on the two corners the top and bottom corners that you can see there's a, towards the back a like small wooden box with a flip lid uh, it looks like it's made of just some nice light little wood uh, and then the desk itself also has uh, some drawers in it Okay. Uh, there's one one long drawer underneath the part or, you know, over the top of the part that you sit. And then there's three drawers on either side. Mercus uh, pulls his like uniform sleeve over his wet hand <laughs> and tries to grab for that notebook, the leather, like the nice notebook. Yeah, you sort of brush aside some papers and you pick it up. It's got this um, nice kind of faded fleur-de-lis pattern on the front of it. It's very nice. It's very well-loved. It's been, you know, clearly been used a lot. And you also notice that it has um, a brass lock on it. Like it's got a clasp uh, that's on the front of it. You could probably break it off with like a screwdriver. Um, it's not, it's not super beefy or anything like that. Maybe this will help us figure out uh, who she was talking to. Should I take this communicator too? And he's just pointing at it. <laughs> Uh, in my professional opinion, I feel like we should not disturb this too much. So I'd say no on the communicator, but yeah, fuck up that lock, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take it with me if we're going soon. Well, I'm afraid that while I share all of Remy's instincts here to move without a trace, that we may have taken one step forward and two steps back going into this apartment. The step forward, of course, is regarding our current side employer, the Saffron and Ox. All he wanted was information on Zastano that we have. If we could positively identify her, we have the information that she's dead. But there are people from the company who know we are here. The man at the desk assisted us by giving us access to the address through the reflection in his glasses. Furthermore, we shouldn't even be here right now. We were supposed to help close gates all the company knows is that we've gone off to a different world to end up here. You know, and if they find the link between us and the Saffron and Ox, how do they not suspect that he sent us here to kill her? I'm afraid we're wrapped up in this now. Venus, you, you, make a, you make a very good point, my dude. It looks like we're being set up because maybe we're being set up. However, <laughs> we might be able to get out of this. I feel like a thing we should probably do is uh, we, we should... Hmm. We have to cover our tracks somehow. Too early. It's too early. I can't do it yet. I can't. Yeah, do it now. Yeah, yeah. I can't do it now. You okay? Okay. No, I can't calm do down. It calm down. I can't buddy. do it now. Oh Remy's petting Venus, patting Venus on the back. Okay, I can't do it. I can't <laughs> it's all good, buddy. It's all good. To right. reweave this time and the moon isn't even full. Just let it out. Let it all out. Let it all out. Let it all out. I'm picturing Venus like doing math on his fingers. Like <laughs> <laughs> we need to find out if this is just Dono. If it is, then I must go back and see who committed this crime. Oh. Ooh. Damn. Ha, well, I guess we know it's not us, and I am not going to eat this body, but I think, okay. <laughs> Here's what I think. I think we go back to the embassy. Okay. 
we say well, here hold on let's so we got we have a couple we have a couple open threads let's talk about what our open threads are we have a helmet mm-hmm. um we have a reweave and we have remy wanting to just peace out my idea with getting out the helmet is that what the helmet does is it it smells where sapiens are within a like certain meter radius so my idea was like similar to oh let's find out if there's anyone here in this area that we need to be afraid of since there is a dead body right here are we being watched are we about to walk into a trap we can do all of these things okay so the olfactory sonar helm can tell you through smell the location of every non-weird non-informatic sapient within a 2d10 meter radius Uh, So, like, it could tell you if there's someone hiding in the apartment. It could tell you if there are neighbors next door or above you. It will probably show you where Oat is um, or show whatever whatever show is when it's through smell. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Uh, it will olfactor Oat. It reminds me. I'm thinking. I'm conceptualizing this as like the um, hearing mechanic from The Last of Us. Oh yeah, right. Sure. Very yeah. Except you can't. There's no visualization right, for right. it. Yeah. It's just smellulization. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm mostly just taking it out because I want to see how it works. <laughs> Vino sees Marcus over at the desk. And he says, "Yes, yes, very good. See if there's you could find any information to help identify identify who this may be. I do believe I should use the helm to see if the perpetrator is still in our midst." Wait, but uh, you can you can go back in time, right? You yeah. can actually just see what happened. Give me the helmet. I'll I'll do that. You just. Do you want to just do your thing? I don't. Do we have to look at you or not look? I don't know what your deal. I don't know how this works. You could look at me. It's fine. <laughs> well, I think we should see if this is Jastano. Um, reweaving is very dangerous. All right. Um, well, give me the helmet. Yes. Sick. And Marcus is going to use the corner of the uh, notebook to open one of the drawers. He's like trying not to touch anything. Like, sure. It's wet fingerprints everywhere. He doesn't want to do that. Ugh. Yeah, you don't want to be leaving like a uh, jello smear on the <laughs> crime scene. They'll know it was me. They'll know it was me opening a drawer. Uh, yeah. Tell me which drawer you open. Uh, the top right. <laughs> it's just packed full of stuff. It's a drawer that is heavy to pull open. There are lots of little notebooks in here. Uh, there is a bunch of like pens and writing utensils. Uh, you hear a bunch of things sort of like clink and clatter as you open it. Uh, there's a bunch of paper that's been crumpled up and shoved in it. And in just sticking out of one of those little notebooks that's in the top, like a almost like a moleskin, you see the corner of an ID card. Yeah, Marcus plucks it from out the notebook it is a picture a woman uh who uh, has um slightly dark skin uh she's maybe in her like early 50s late 40s she's got uh dark straight hair with these wide bands of gray in it and uh yeah it says zestino novel subcommittee for kakudun and a bunch of sort of you know a bunch of just stuff from the company id number all of the committees that she's on all this other stuff uh with his puppet hand of his sleeve <laughs> Marcus holds it up found an id and shows it uh to the rest of the group uh venos takes it and um or you know crowds around the body to see if he can uh id um he also asked uh, beta um if she could come lend a hand and taking a look at some of the details of the um murder itself She's got a lot of hair and it's very long Mm -hmm. and it's all sort of mound around her head. So to look at her face, you are going to have to move some of her hair, but the hair matches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think meanwhile, uh, Remy's walking over to the uh, communicator. Yeah. 
Um, do we know anything about how this works? Probably not. I don't think any of you would have used this. Beta maybe got to touch one once or twice um, in her studies. Mercus maybe saw like some drawings of them and like maybe got a crash course on it, but never actually got to touch one in Banshee training. I think for you and I, like we, you can basically think of it as like if uh, an Apple Newton came, was made in the Fallout universe. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, so I think Remy's just gonna uh, put the helmet on and try and use it. Uh, here, let me tell you what you what happens to you. <laughs> uh oh, I think if I remember correctly, it's not pleasant. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, roll one d ten. I think I I, I do want to say not pleasant things are like par for the course for Remy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Four. Okay. Uh, please charge yourself that much grit. Oh, okay. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. You are going to need, oh, so it's going to work. Right. Well, uh, mm, mm. Yeah, your boy's basically out of grit, but that's cool. Uh, just to give you a heads up, um, it's going to work no matter what the result of the next test is, but you will understand it better the higher your result. So roll reason, and you want to get a nine if you can. Things will still happen if you don't get a nine, hmm. but at nine is where things are clear. Yeah, I don't have enough grit to like. Well, I mean, yeah, I have five grit. I'm not going to like spend. <laughs> yeah, okay, don't mess. Yeah. Nine. Nice. Woo! <laughs> Great. Uh, okay, here's what happens you put on this big, heavy helmet. It's bulbous and it's kind of dented and it's uh, rusted. It's got this very strangely shaped viewport that's not rectangular. It's like several circles uh, joined together. It's very heavy, but. It's comfortable when you put it on. It's padded. Uh, it, you know, fits your head. And when you seat it into place and stop moving for a second, you hear it beep as if it uh, sort of confirms that it knows that it has been placed on top of a noggin. And then you start to hear this uh, whirring sound and you start to feel a little tickle on your top lip. And then you start to feel a little tickle inside your nostrils. And then the tickle goes deeper into your nostrils and it is now no longer a tickle it is now just a probe that's going deep into your nasal cavity uh and it keeps going into your nasal cavity until it's like basically touching the back of your throat Oh, so it's just, uh, it's just snorting drugs. It's just snorting. I, that's just, that's the experience of snorting test? cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Mike, I, I am rooting for, <laughs> I am rooting for this description, like watching a friend bowl. I'm like using my whole body to move the ball. <laughs> it goes down deeper, deeper. Um, Again, this is, this is just the experience of snorting cocaine or any other yeah. drugs. You're insufflate. You start to feel like you're going to gag a little bit. It's unpleasant, but you, you sort of power through it. Uh, it stings, it kind of hurts, and the viewport just shuts. It's like a, a piece of metal or a opaque piece of glass just kind of closes over what's the, the opening in front of you in a very awkward way so that you can't see anything. It's now just completely dark um, inside this helmet, save for some lightly blinking lights uh, in some readouts by your chin. It's almost impossible for me to explain what it is that you experience. You know, um, through like one smell that's kind of like a cross between grapefruits, sawdust, and wet leather, that oat is just outside. 
and that he's um, looking out over the balcony uh, that is out in front of Zeshtino's front door um, and is sort of staying still. You know from a combination of scents that is kind of like Play-Doh, wet gravel, and uh, like a, a, a big handful of salt that... Um, there is a neighbor upstairs and they are motionless. You can't really tell why, but like it's late, probably they're sleeping. You can tell from a scent of ozone, daisies, uh, fresh cut grass, and the inside of a tire uh, that there is uh, a couple uh, who are together like watching some sort of piece of televised, what we would call televised entertainment, um, two apartments down uh, on the same level, further into the complex from where you are. And then there's a bunch of very distant scents. It's like there's there's light smells uh, from other directions, but you can't tell anything from them. You know that they are presences, but you don't know much about them. Um, and it seems like pretty much everything that you can sense is staying in roughly the same place. So, um, can I tell how long that body has been there by the smell from this helmet? Ooh, that's a very good question. Hold on, let me read the description that I wrote of this thing. <laughs> Roll another reason and let me know what you get and we'll see. Got a three. Uh, nah, it's kind of hard to tell. It's not, not really what this thing is meant to do. Okay. But there's no one, uh, surprising in this apartment and there is, it seems like there's no one nearby who's rushing to come and get you. Um, let me see if there's anything else that I can give you from what you've rolled since you did roll well. At least what the neighbor had for dinner. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Thick leaf. Thick leaf. Say it right. Thick leaf. (laughs) Thick leaf. (laughs) The the Discord approved spelling of like uh, (laughs) T-H-I-Q-Q-Q-Q-Q-Q-Q. Um... This thing has no way of telling time. It doesn't know time. But the way that it works, the way that it identifies things um, is through a combination of sensors related to the organic matter that make up um, sapience, uh, which is why it doesn't work on um, weird and informatic beings that it operates on like a very particular stripe of biological material. And so it determines that there is a presence of a dead body uh, that is nearby. Uh, it's, you know, you can smell through like, it sort of, it sort of smells like a, um, like a root cellar almost that there's a body here. Um, but then you also smell uh, something that smells like, um, it smells a lot like the swamp that you just came through. It's very damp and kind of like heavy, musty kind of smell. There's a little hint of almost like lily to it. Um, and then the smell of just damp um, metal, um, like like sort of like the city. And you realize that this is, this is not like a person that's in the room, but it is uh, organic matter that a person has must have left behind. And there's a fair amount of it. And it is mixed in with the pool of blood that seems to be coming from Zeshino's body. Got it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You can push a little button um, on the, yeah, on the outside and it will retract the probes. Uh Uh Mm. 
that looked uh, not so fun. <laughs> you know, it feels like doing drugs. I actually did not hate that. I did not like it. <laughs> it could have been worse. The payoff was definitely worse. But I, now I do know that there's nobody. Ugh, there's nobody around. Uh, it's oh, just good. us. Good. Uh, it seems like the neighbors didn't wake up from uh, the explosion getting in here. So that's good news. Some new information via my nostrils. What? What is it? Smells like there was somebody here. They smelled like the swamp and the city. And uh, they left some. It seems like it seems like it smelled. Like, I mean, like aside from the smell of like iron and blood or whatever, uh, seems like they left some stuff down there. So I, uh, so Remy bends down and like looks at the pool of blood. Does he see any like footprints um, or like any, any sort of thing down there? So, uh, yeah, you see a couple things. You haven't looked at the cause of death yet. You haven't determined what it is that has killed Zeshtino. So you can't know sort of what an appropriate injury would be because what an appropriate bodily state for the injury is because you don't know what the injury is. But it does look like just from first glance that this is a lot of blood. This is a this is like a, a pretty big amount of blood. And you can see that there is a it's not really like footprints. No one tracked blood out of the room in these like big, neat prints leading out the door. But you can see that there are these very small, almost like drips or splatters that go from the large pool to the door. And then who knows where from there. It's just like you would never see them unless you looked for them. These small droplets of blood. Remy follows them. They go uh, out the door. You open the door again. Oh, um, barks. And Bark! Bark! <laughs> oh, did you eat it? Oh, I will eat you. <laughs> did you eat the body? No, we're not hiding anything yet. Also, it's dead. Okay. I like live shit. <laughs> I don't know. It's better when they have fresh blood. Yeah, the droplets turn right out of the door in the direction that you came from uh, and they go a couple feet past where Oat is currently standing uh, and then they just kind of stop. Um, they don't stop like in front of a door or anything. Uh, they just sort of like dry up, it looks like. Back in the room, we have Venus who was looking at the body and Beta who was helping him look and Mercus holding both the handwritten letter and the locked leather journal. Starting with the easy thing, I think Mercus just tries to read the letter. Do you, you just want to open the letter? Yeah. Sure. You open the letter. Do, do, do. Hold on. You open up the envelope, uh, tear it open, and there is a heavy, like, rough border paper that's folded into thirds on the inside. There's nothing else in it other than that piece of paper. Do you pull the piece of paper out and unfold it? Mm -hmm. It's a handwritten letter. Uh, when you unfold it, you see handwriting. Um, there's no lines on the paper. It's blank. It's pure white. And yes, it's a letter to Zeshino. Do you want to read the letter? Yes. Okay. The letter says in... Very sort of like neat, uh, almost geometric handwriting. Zed, we're almost wrapped in the unwinter for this quarter, at least. It is so cold and bleak up here. Though I do have to admit that the way that the ash mixes with the snow occasionally is sometimes very striking and very beautiful. But all the same, I cannot wait to return home, and I cannot wait to be in your arms again. I look forward to your next letter, and I know that when we started this, we thought it would be silly and old-fashioned, but it is nice to have something show up from you every week. 
It gives me something to look forward to while I'm rifling through rogue automaton carcasses and trying to build this map of this goddamn folded city. I love you to the end and to the beginning again. I'll be back in four days, around 692, no laster time, and I'm going to head right to your place, XO Millen, M-I-L-L-E-N. And then a date uh, that was two days ago, uh, three days ago. <gasps> so, so in theory, whoever Millen is, um, will be at this location tomorrow, mid-afternoon. Oh, no. How much money do you think Ashokan Farewell costs? The, <laughs> oh, that's too deep a reference. I'm sorry. That is the name of the, yeah, what is that? That's the name that of the fiddle music behind the Civil Ashokan War letters. Ashokan Farewell. It's Ashokan <laughs> Farewell. It's not Ashokan. It's Ashokan because it's... No, oh, thank you. Um, Merkin starts whimpering. I want to write a letter to Deep River. <laughs> okay, we have, we have a... Uh, I guess Remy runs back in <laughs> and sees the scene. And he the note to Beta. Beta, look! <laughs> Beta grabs the letter and begins reading it. Uh, oh, oh, oh. I know! Oh. <laughs> oh. What's going on? Oh, and she just hands guys, the letter. She whoa. hands the letter. She doesn't explain it. She just hands the letter to Remy. <laughs> Oh, so sad. So, so I'll see you at six ninety-two. No. Oh, oh. <laughs> I love, I love oh. the reading murmuring. It's very good. <laughs> he's he's gonna be here tomorrow. <laughs> <sighs> Hi, everyone. It's Shannon, your friendly neighborhood peer slash technomancer. The Fun City crew is doing its best to have a transcript for every episode of Fun slash Float City, but we need some help. If you're interested in helping us transcribe past or future episodes, please check out the link in this very episode's show notes. We'll pay $100 per episode transcribed, and we have guides for formatting, as well as lists of spellings for common fun float city names, places, and things. So check out the link if you're interested. Thanks as always for listening and for supporting the show. Bye, friends. Mergus is crying after reading that letter and beta read this. All right. Well, it's definitely a murder. Huh? Why, why do you say that? Well, I found a blood trail uh, leading outside of the apartment and this person yes. is clearly dead. So they didn't make it. Yes. Compelling evidence. In yes. that regard. What, what about the smell of vision? Oh, that, that, yeah, that was, that was the, that was the thing that the smell of vision pointed me to. Cause it was like, you know, blood has a smell. Oh, I see. Like, yes. You know, it smells it smells kind of good, but very bad because it smells like it's something some somewhere it's not supposed to be. I see. You know what I mean? Am I making sense? Yes, I yes you are. So if there's well, two blood, maybe there was some kind of fight. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of blood on this ground, so yeah, definitely. Well, I, first I think we should 
identify the remains. Venus bends down and moves the hair slightly away from the uh, body's face to see if we can identify this as Zashidano. The color of her skin is drained, but otherwise this is the same face on the ID card that Mercus is holding. Yeah, so Venus looks at everybody. He meets their eye. Um, I think it's understood that we could all see that this is Ashtano. And um, I, uh, Venus says, I was afraid of this. Wait, 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 wait. You mean afraid of, afraid of Zeshino getting murdered or? No, no, I have no idea. She was body. Well, no, that's not a fear of mine. No, I I was afraid (laughs) that it would be her body and she wasn't the one who left the room. Um, right, right. Because it'd be one thing if she left the room and there was just a different dead body in her. Yes, apartment. one yeah, that we weren't yeah. inextric- yeah. inextricably tied up in. Yeah, that would be that would be better. Okay, well, I, as I see it, we have some options. Um, the blood trail uh, ends. Yeah. Then, like, look up. I don't know. Maybe they jumped off the balcony or went up to the roof or a different floor. I have no idea. Um, we could leave. Uh, that's option number one. We could leave. That's also option number two. And option number three is we could leave. What do you guys think? Marcus holds up the letter and says, we could also come back and talk to this person that's arriving tomorrow. Yes. Well, there is a fourth option or a fifth or a second or a third, depending on whether or not you're (laughs) counting yours as separate ones or if we're... Okay. All right. Yes. I, Um, I was making light of a situation because... You know, it's this. I'm coping. Yes. Well, I can go back and see who committed this heinous crime and clear our names of any possible guilt or wrongdoing. The only thing I would need would be an accurate time of death within a few hours. Wow. Or less than 24 would be doable. Beta, could you help me with that? I think uh, I could. I can. Uh, I can definitely try. And with that, Beta uh, wants to use Find Clue. No, I don't want to find Clue. And with that, (laughs) Beta (laughs) wants to use Augur, which is she can answer. uh, She can um, ask any answerable short question to the universe. Oh, neat. All right. This is in the the past you have spoken to your sword. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let me ask a question. Could you ask who killed her? Well, wouldn't this be more fun? (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. I feel like I've done something like this in training back on spin. Uh, And then Beta kind of is digging down into her pockets and looking for something. She pulls out a couple Tic Tacs. Found some loose gunch, but like tries to hide it from Remy. <laughs> Remy Remy sniffs. He doesn't know he's he's sniffing, but he he subconsciously <laughs> smelling the gunch. Get that she, whiff she, of gunch. She shoves it back in her pocket, and she goes, "Ugh, you know what? Let me just try this." And then she p- goes into her other pocket, or not her pocket. What's the thing that holds a sword? <laughs> Scabbard. scabbard. She goes into her scabbard, pulls out her other scabbard. <laughs> the other scabbard. <laughs> not the not the pills and tic tacs scabbard, but the sword. Or the scabbard. one filled with drugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pulls out her sword, which is kind of all it's like it's a messed up sword because it, it got all messed up in 
previous battles, then she never fixed it. And she looks it down. Got, it got crushed at the Onvader's estate, right? You yes. got like smushed by a wall. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it got crushed. Uh, it was very sad. And she never, she forgot to take care of it. And uh, she kind of looks at everyone and then kind of faces the corner so no one can see her with her sword. <laughs> and she just starts whispering, hey, can you help me out here? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> up hey you got you got some you got stuff going on yeah i'm trying to i'm I'm in i'm in the middle i'm in the middle of something you gotta make it fast (laughs) oh 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 i mean if you're busy if you're busy i can (laughs) no actually actually if you're busy it doesn't matter if you're busy i I really need to right now (laughs) i mean i'm yeah yeah, what do you need what do you need okay so i'm trying to remember or think about i need to find out when this woman died and i just this, I know uh, the la- this one, this lady, the lady right behind, the yeah, one behind the one, you in the, the one, yeah. The one behind, you know, the one that's okay. bleeding on the ground. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think she's done bleeding. <laughs> well, she's bled out, yeah. Yeah. Listen, as a sword, I know, I know what it looks like when they're done. <laughs> oh, you would. Uh, you need to know, you need to know when she's, when she died. When, when she died. Can you, okay. Can you just, can you show me, can you show me the body just real quick? Can oh, you just. Okay. But everyone's going to look. Okay. That's fine. That's she fine. lifts it over her head. She's still facing the other way. <laughs> Beta, what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> You're just whispering to that broken sword. I, I think. Does I mean, she do this, Remy? Is this what she does? Look, I, I thought I smelled gunch. <laughs> uh, when you, when you pull the sword back down in front of you to whisper to it again, uh, it goes. Psych! I don't have eyes. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> oh, you, you have gotten me so many times with that one. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and the sword goes. All right, yeah, okay. I, I see what you're after. Uh, hold on. Uh, let me check. Uh, and you have no idea what that means. You have <laughs> oh, no yeah. clue. What does it mean when uh, a previously inanimate object that you can summon a voice and personality from says, "Let me check." What is the sword going to go look at? What like what like universal ledger does the soul of the sword have access to? <laughs> that's going to say in some cell like time of death, Zeshnonovel. This um, uh, a couple seconds go go by, um, and uh, the sword sort of feels uh, in a moment like a little bit heavier again, and uh, and it says, oh, this lady uh, looks like she wrote a lot of stuff down. Hmm. Uh, like there's a, looks like there's a, you got, there's like a, you got a lot of posters. You got a lot of, you got a lot of like uh, books and stuff. And like, yeah, if you look up uh, Shannon Beta, like the corner that you're standing in is a big bookshelf with a lot of things in it. Uh, you can see a lot of books of, uh, there's there's atlases, um, there's histories of Kakudun and the various states um, within it. Uh, there are um, like photography books for uh, a bunch of the countries. There's um, collected uh, performance works uh, for Kakudunai arts. Um, you can see that there is an entire shelf of um, notebooks and journals uh, that, you know, conceivably belong to either Zeshin Novell or her, uh, her partner. And, uh, and the sword says, and it looks like, uh, looks like, uh, I mean, from here I can tell, like, there's, there's a lot of stuff on the desk um, that, uh, you know, uh, seems like she, she took a lot of notes and she wrote a lot of things down. She got a lot of notes over there. She got a lot of like, uh, you know, it looks like there's, there's a communicator. Um, and, uh, I think that, that other guy that, you know, that guy, uh, what's his name with the, with the glasses, the guy you can see his brain through his skull. Venus? Or, Orndor- 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 
<laughs> Can Vinos hear that? Did Vinos hear that exchange? Yeah, Vinos is hearing all of this and is waiting patiently. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess we can't really. I, if you look really hard, maybe you can see his brain. Oh, Oranger? Maybe if you go and check, um, uh, like, some of the things that she used, you'd be able to tell roughly what happened when she stopped using them. Maybe there would be a clue over there somewhere. Just It seems like there's a lot of documents, and you, you might be able to infer something. I, I don't know. All right, so you're saying you guys should go over to the desk and investigate. Uh, you know, I don't, I, don't, I, don't think it, I don't think it could hurt. Hey, wanna, tell you what, why don't you bring me over there and I'll take a look. Oh, oh, sure. Beta, I don't have eyes. Ah, you got me again. <laughs> you are too good. And then uh, she puts the sword back in her scabbard. And, uh, <laughs> and she turns around and she goes, you know, instead of me using my medical prowess to figure this out. Why don't we just take a look at this desk over here? <laughs> that was weird as hell. Beta. <laughs> What's that? I don't I don't know what you're doing. I'm gonna try to open this notebook. Vito says to Beta, Beta, it is fine for you to do whatever the sword is telling you. But I did ask you because most medical professionals can tell you the time of death within a few hours. That is very nice of you to say. And then she okay. walks over to the desk. <laughs> I lo- One of my favorite things in role playing is when someone can easily roll a dice to solve a problem, <laughs> but their character just won't. I lo- it's like one of my favorite things. <laughs> funny <laughs> uh yeah so um on the desk there are a number of contracts uh, there's a lot of paperwork there are a bunch of letters both opened and unopened and i think the biggest thing the biggest feature there um is the is zestino's communicator uh, which is on uh, but has uh like a lock uh, icon on its tiny square screen uh, it sort of looks like a big chunky calculator um with mechanical keyboard buttons on it and this small maybe like two inch by two inch readout on it hmm. let, me get, let me take a look at that i i know i, I got I, I have tech technology skill skill let me see let me see uh, Marcus. let me know if there's something that you want to do with the oh yeah he's struggling with it um and uh looks at the desk and uh, to see if there's a letter opener or anything absolutely sharp. yes there's a there's a gold letter letter opener with like a leather handle let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Grabs for the letter opener and starts uh, jamming on this lock on the journal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, roll combat and don't get a one. Okay. Or do. <laughs> It'd be funny if I did. Um, cool. I got a roll. An eight. Uh, yeah, you very expertly pop the lock right off. You are pretty sure that you have not even really caused any damage to the mechanism. Mm-hmm. I have opened it, and maybe he glances at the first page. So it would appear as though uh, Zeshno has laid out this journal to have a table of contents in the front. Uh, you see columns of very neatly blocked out and labeled uh, text, all handwritten. Um, what is confusing, though, is that you can't read any of it um, because it would appear to be written in a cipher of some kind. Uh, there are a lot of half moon shapes. Uh, you see weird crosses in various um, orientations, upside down and sideways. Uh, there are uh, what look like um, shaded cubes. It is not something that you recognize. Uh, and if you flip through the book, uh, you can see that there are, yeah, it's very full. There's a lot of information 
information in here, uh, but it is all in a kind of code. Mm. Yeah. But can he still flip to the last page to look at it? Or uh, the last page with, with any writing on it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you go, you go to the last page with writing on it, and it's it's more of the same. Is there is there anything specific that you're looking for? Mm, no, Marcus is just straining, not understanding what it yeah. says. If you're looking for like a date or a time, you don't know that it's there or not there just because of this bizarre script that you're looking at. Um, mm. It the the writing in it does not look particularly old. Like it's not faded. It's not you know. There's nothing about the journal that would lead you to believe that it hadn't been used in a while. It looks like something that's currently in use. Hmm, uh, a key, a key. This needs a key. Remy, you are holding the communicator. What would you like to do with it? Well, um, Remy's looking at it. He's flipping it upside down and looking for anything. Like uh, the, He realizes the problem is he's too tired to, to try and uh, do anything with it. Like he just, in game terms, he just doesn't have enough grit to make it do what he wants it to do. <laughs> so he's just sort of... Got it. He's just sort of spinning in his hands and... Uh, you know, popping open the uh, keypad. Okay, I'll I'll burn um eighteen health to get nine <laughs> to get nine grit. That is okay. I, I can also now. yeah, because I can heal you after. Remy is flipping this thing around in his hands. He suddenly like looks a little ill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cannibalizing like, just, his own innards. Just a little you, pale. You mean you like cool? Like you could. <laughs> you no. look sick. No, no, he, no looks he looks Ill. he looks pale and and uh, <laughs> and. and uh, sweaty so cool. uh, and you can see like like he's in withdrawal from something and you can see his um like face sort of moving you can see the nanites face moving a little mm. bit and uh i think he'll he'll burn eight of those nine grit and use repro to unlock this communicator uh and i think repro just says like you can make it do what you want is that correct yes so remy's just trying to unlock it unlock iphone Unlock <laughs> iPhone. Uh, your nanites um, go into the little crevices between the keys and the chassis, and there's a light little buzz. You can feel the electricity feeding back, and the screen blinks on, uh, and uh, the lock disappears, and you can see there is a little file browser uh, that you can move around with uh, the arrow keys that are on the keypad. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff in here. Um, hold on, let me get a list of things that you see. Is there is there one file that says the time uh, the before? time that I died? <laughs> yeah, <the time. laughs> okay, yes. So the main things that you see uh, there is a calendar. There is a communicator app. Uh, so you would assume that those were what we would call emails. And uh, there is a, a voice memo recorder. And you can tell from the layout of the items that the most recent thing that has been used is. The voice memo <gasps> recorder. Mm. Oh, guys, uh, <clears throat> you mind if I here? I, I, I here. Are you okay? He just, Are you okay? Yeah, you do not look good. Yeah, I just, I just, I just need some gunch. I'll be. I just need to gunch up. I'll be fine. <laughs> you know, I can <laughs> maybe, maybe help. Fine, you. I could help you. Fine. I don't know, Beta. Please, please help him. He doesn't look well at all. <laughs> I just need his gunch. It's fine. It's. This is normal. Uh, Remy op opens up the voice memos thing. Uh, there are a bunch in here. It looks like this is a feature that uh, Zesh Nonavel used a lot. There are maybe dozens of voice memos that are on here. And the most recent one uh, is timestamped from uh, roughly around this time two days ago. Yeah, Remy hits play. Okay. You hear the rustle of a plastic case. You hear the audio click on. 
um, and uh, you hear like the rub of a hand against a microphone, and you hear a, a like a raspy female voice that says, "Wolfskin three hundred two, late evening. I think Boo is knocking on my door." And then you hear footsteps, and you hear the front door unlock and then slide open, and you hear the same voice go. Sorry that it's been slower than normal, but shipments have cut back, which is good news. You know that. It's good news. So we don't need as much storage. This was all part of the deal. And then you hear another voice go, I don't give a shit about the deals, as you know. You shouldn't be so sure about what counts as good news. And then you hear a thud as the door is shoved open. And you hear a loud scuffle. And you hear the female voice go again. What the fuck are you doing? You hear another crash and more scuffling. You hear a rumble as the communicator, the device that you're listening on, is picked up and moved. And you hear that the voices are now louder and much clearer. And you hear the second voice go. I'm done with this deal. I'm done delaying the inevitable. You shouldn't have meddled with what's yours. Playing such a big shot coming down here from the void like some sort of savior. You were wrong. You were wrong about more than you know. You thought you could stop the collapse and you can't. You made it come even sooner. What are you do what are you doing? You are making a big, big mistake. Steady hand dealer is going to kill you when he hears about this. Maybe. And then there's the sound of bodies moving quickly. There's a thud and a crash. There are vo- the voices are now sort of distinct and muffled. Uh, you hear a struggle, and then after the struggle slows down, you hear a couple like grasps or whiffs uh, of air as uh, as you know. Presumably, people are just trying to get a hold of one another. At one point, there's a clatter. Uh, You hear the clatter of metal on the ground. um, And then you hear it uh, scrape as it gets picked up. And uh, you actually hear uh, the surprisingly distinct sound like this happened right next to the communicator um, of metal sliding into hard leather. Then you hear dragging footsteps. You hear the blinds close. You hear the door open and then shut. And then there's just hours and hours of silence after that. Uh, well, <clears throat> y'all mind if I uh, gunch up? Remy, what time was that recorded? Oh, um, yeah, it was two days ago, like right now. Mm. Oh. <sighs> Actually, uh, actually, uh, <clears throat> I actually, I, I would take the, your your help instead of Gunch. That's yes. great, Remy. That's really good. <laughs> now, all of you, I'm on the I'm on the fucking edge of my seat. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what? <laughs> now we know when she was murdered. It is my opinion that we are here against the will of the Worshipful Company. We have not been upfront or honest about our purpose or means here, and that this very crime could be placed on us. Does everyone else here agree? Yeah. yeah. Remy also walks up uh, over to the, the body uh, and kneels down. 
he looks at the team and says, I think we got to get rid of the evidence. It'll buy us a couple days. They'll think that Zeshino ran after her partner reports it, reports that she's not here. We could be long gone. Remy, what you're talking about is a life on the run from the company. No, what if, I'm talking about... If we destroy this evidence. What I'm saying to you is that if it's worth the risk, I could find out who did this heinous crime. We have the evidence, and I will have first-hound account. The people who did this are probably very powerful. I don't even know if I could trust that recording. What I can trust is my eyes. They will trust that we are innocent if we could say who did it and give them evidence of that fact. Well, Venus... If you're going to do this, is there anything we can do to help prepare you for that? No, I'm afraid there's not. Time tra- travel is complicated. Luckily uh, for you, it, it won't be. But for yeah. me, it could be very, very complicated if I change anything in the past. Marcus is clutching the notebook to his chest and just eyes are very wide. You're going to time travel? Yes, Marcus, I'm going to time travel. <gasps> Cool. <laughs> Travel faster than me in a different direction? I love it. It doesn't work like that, but anyway, I mean to hide in this very apartment and see who committed the crime. All of you, help me find the best place. Be that behind a wall, behind a grate, behind an air filter, anything. Oh, but y- you won't be corporeal? I will be corporeal when I get there. Oh, Here. I see. Well, oh. you should probably hide then, in that big wardrobe okay. in this room, right? Isn't there... Uh, well, we yeah. need to look around the room. See what the room says. But isn't there like a big chest of drawers sort of thing we talked about? Or like... There's a... Uh, in the in the back corner, directly forward from when you walk in through the front door, uh, there's a large shelving sort of thing with a bunch of books and stuff on it. Um, and uh, the leftmost part of it is yeah like has some clothes hanging in it so there's like some long coats and some dresses <laughs> and some pantsuits uh it's probably, does it have a door uh no it does not have a door it is probably about as wide as venus is though uh it's just a, a question of whether or not you're wearing very flashy shoes i think <laughs> yes i'm not but uh, venus goes okay now this is going to be the lamest part of this tell me if you could see me and he, <laughs> he skitters over <laughs> He skitters over to the closet, gets behind the coats, and uh, asks them, Do you guys please, see me? Please, everyone, roll Will. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Um, Venus <laughs> got a one. I got a five. Venus, can you, um, can you roll Reason? <laughs> sure. I got this a is, nine. This is hilarious. Mercus rolled a one. Yeah. <laughs> Beta? I rolled a five. I rolled a two. A two. Um, to to the other three of you, you have no... Venus, weirdly, somehow, steps into this closet without a door and completely vanishes. Holy shit, how did he do that? Mercus, to you, Mercus, to you, you think that he has maybe used magic to do this. Oh my goodness. I was already, like, mystified by Venus, but this is just next level. Okay, Venus hears Marcus and Remy being way too impressed um, <laughs> by, you know, the type of hiding that a three, uh, third grader does um, <laughs> in hide and seek. And so he asked Beta, 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 can you see me? Uh, I, can I see him? No, we can't. Okay. No, I, I think it's pretty good. Okay, 
My shoes for you will disappear for only a second, and then I'll be back. Does that make sense? They're talking okay. to the coats at this point. Oh, I'm still yes, 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 yes. <laughs> or is Venus actually talking to the coats? <laughs> <laughs> I could be. I'm um, talking to everyone in the room, including the coats. Is there anything we should do to prepare for potential changes in time, which has ripples all the way to the current No, the, the rippling would have happened through a course of events that would make your current events, no matter how changed they are, make perfect sense to you. There's nothing that would change for you at all, basically, according to your memory. Got it. Mercus, tr- Mercus <laughs> tries to track that conversation by putting a finger in the air. It makes sense to me. Okay, Venus. <laughs> right. Okay. It could be really complicated for me. That's why I can't save this woman. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. I, yeah, I don't... Okay. I don't know the difference. <laughs> I understand. Everyone, see you in a moment. And Venus reweaves time and space to maybe only a couple minutes before this recording just because you hear her actually answering the door. What does this look like from Venos's perspective? And also, what does it look like from the rest of the crew's perspective? Is this okay. just like a flash? Does it just happen? So from their perspective, they're literally going to see my shoes disappear and, <laughs> and then pop back And then they're going to reappear. Um, if I was in the middle of the room, basically it is a little bit like a kind of a, everything's clear kind of implosion where it's kind of a little bit of a gas gasoline fume kind of ripple but it's it's very tiny um one second i'm there and then there's a tiny ripple like that of kind of that um is the air water kind of a ripply thing that's happening within the size of a dime and then nothing got it from an internal perspective your senses stop working um, immediately you still you still have some form of consciousness and if you're you know to put this metaphorically if your consciousness normally is kind of like a the a potato in shape it turns into more of a tube um a non-local tube that's sucking itself (laughs) wrapping around itself (laughs) folding itself spinning itself and then redoing that again and then i'm in the new how many ribs did you have to remove so you can <laughs> so your consciousness yes. can suck so this itself. is not happening to my body at all my body doesn't feel anything this is just that is the feeling that is the feeling of the shape of your A consciousness potato. when time <laughs> went from potato to cylinder doing very strange movements that it shouldn't be able to do in three-dimensional space I love it. uh okay so i do have some rolls here so one love of them it. is that i have to roll i have to take d6 damage um, because even though my body doesn't feel it, it does can do some damage. It does. I mean, it does momentarily stop existing. So I would imagine that that takes right. a toll. Yeah. Can. <laughs> Got a four. So I take four damage. Oof. Okay. So I'm at eight damage. I'm at eight health now. And I have to take D20 and grit. So this is a big range here. Hoping for a low ball. Yeah, 13 average-ish. I do have 13 grit. I have 32 actually. Nice. So I am okay. You pop into existence in Zestino Novell's dresser two days earlier. It is silent. 
There's maybe a small gust of wind uh, as you displace some air uh, in the location, uh, but you do not alert uh, the person who is sitting at the desk in this room. Uh, you see very clearly now uh, the, the body that you have just previously left uh, dead on the floor is now a living woman in her apartment. She is bent over her desk. There are a couple lights on. Uh, she's writing some notes. Uh, and uh, yeah, you see everything that you just saw in almost the same arrangement. Uh, you see the communicator out on her desk. Uh, you see uh, the various piles of letters. You see the contract that she's currently working on. All of it. You stand for maybe 10 minutes. You watch her work. Uh, you watch her take out the communicator, push a few buttons, say some things into it about some of the contracts that she's working on. She says some things about um, needing to delay further shipments. Uh, she says some things about um, having to find new trade routes on the east. She works and works. After about 10 minutes, you hear a knock on the door. She stops working. She waits. She doesn't do anything. You hear another knock on the door. She's completely motionless. You hear a third, much louder knock on the door, and you hear a muffled voice from the other side. And the muffled voice says, Zach, I know you're in there. Open up. And then you see her grab the communicator, push a button on it, and say what you heard two days from now. Wolfskin 302, late evening. I think Boo is knocking on my door. And then she stands up, walks over the door, and opens it. She says then exactly what you heard. I told you. I told you that I would find you at Crude when we have payment for this quarter. I'm sorry that it's been slower than normal, but shipments have cut back, which is good news. You know that. It's good news. So we don't need as much storage. This was all part of the deal. And as she says this, she kind of shifts her weight a little bit. And you can see the... It's hard to describe the head of the person who has been knocking on her door. It is a Mulruck. It is a frog person. Um, and you can see the top of his like wide rounded head. You can see his large eyes set into the, the slope of uh, the top of his like forehead. And you hear him say exactly what you have heard and will hear him say in two days. I don't give a shit about the deal, Zestino. You shouldn't be so sure about what counts as good news. And then you just see him shove her into the apartment. He shoves her back towards the writing desk. When she's on the writing desk, uh, when she gets next to it, she grabs the communicator and she positions it very carefully, but quickly on the corner of the desk so that it's between them, uh, knowing that it's recording. And you hear the entire conversation that they have and at a certain point uh, when um, the person who uh, has come into the room, uh, this large, um, like, the last Mulrook you saw was the guy who uh, you fought the, the raider, right? The cannonballs. The, the cannonball guy, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I shot him in the brain. Yeah, right, right, right. This Mulrook is not as muscular as the last one you saw uh, with the with the cannon uh, strapped to his arm. He's uh, also older. He's wearing 
like very dirty black hard fabric pants with uh, reinforced patches over the knees and the thighs. They look very heavily worn. Uh, they're very weathered. Uh, he's wearing very old looking dusty worn boots that are really thick. Uh, he's got uh, a um, like thick canvas shirt on over his like wide frog body. Um, and over that, he's got uh, almost this uh, like welder's vest. Do you guys know what a welder's vest looks like? We could just take a second to Google it. <laughs> Imagine the specific <laughs> needs from of a there. welder. Fireproof. Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, I went to weldingoutfitter.com. It's like a half yeah. shirt. It's, it's uh, basically a crop top for when you're passing the duchy on the left-hand side and you want it to be made of leather. <laughs> uh, I want to okay. wear these. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so he's wearing this pretty serious-looking welder's vest, uh, and he's got a, a, a belt that's got a bunch of tools on it. Uh, and he pushes Zeshino into the apartment. He starts talking to her. Uh, he starts telling her that he's done with the deal, uh, that she shouldn't have come here thinking that she was some, some kind of savior, that she was going to stop the inevitable. Uh, and she uh, mentions, again, steady hand dealer. And he says, maybe, but he's next. And then he advances on her and he rushes over to her and he grabs her by the throat and he pushes her up against the bookcase that you are hiding inside of, Venus. They are maybe six inches from you. You can smell them. You can smell this Mulrook. He smells like rust and salt and fish and liquor and they are struggling and at one point he he's his arms are tiny um he's not a muscular guy but he's he's stronger than her he basically just picks her up and throws her on the ground and he's standing over her and he pulls out a knife from the long leather sheath that's on his belt and it's got a skinny cord wrapped handle and it's long and straight and shaped like a star and uh, I mean, I don't want to describe this in detail, but you watch. But him. you might not need to, Mike. But because. Oh, okay. Venos had every intention to stay out of this. He knew that he could watch this person die when they were just ten feet away, but with her right by his face, six inches away, he could smell. The fear, he could smell this mulrook, and he is yelling at himself to stay put. That I cannot meddle in this. This has already happened. This has already happened. And Venos leaped from the closet with his shotgun drawn, pointed at the mulrook's head. Oh my gosh. His back is to you and he is uh, leaning. He is standing over Zeshtino about to stab her. She is looking at him. She looks past him at you, is terrified for her life, is now maybe more terrified, like does not understand what's happening. If you want to shoot him, please just roll combat. I... I've made this decision, and I'm going to roll. Yes! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes! 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 yes. 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 Oh my god! I'm so excited! 
Chance. This fucking rules. <laughs> and this is sweating. just gonna, this is Nick, just gonna happen in our memories. Yeah. Nick, I'm sweating in my apartment. Um, I think I'm gonna have to spend uh, at least six here to get my roll up. Do it, do it. Do I want to do six or nine? Six or nine? Six or nine? I think I have to do nine. I think I have to do nine. Okay. I have to do nine. Don't get a one. I rolled a nat three, so that puts me at 13. You tell me what happens. I have sufficiently surprised everyone in this room uh, enough. I have um, killed... (laughs) Two people um, in recent past, and both of them have been frogmen that have stuck a shotgun in their face. Um, you know, if you didn't uh, mention that, no one would think anything about it. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, something that I didn't not think about as I leaped from the closet with a shotgun in his face. Um, barely registered anything. I pulled the trigger, and he falls to the ground, um, knife um, in hand. He topples over a giant hole in his back and chest, entirely atop Zeshino Novell, <laughs> who screams at the top of her lungs. And Vino says, it's okay, it's okay, calm down, calm down, calm down, as he's pulling this Mulrock off of her. He finally kind of rolls him off and says, it's fine, it's fine. I'm from the future. You are now leaving Float City. Thanks for listening. If you like the show and want to help us keep making it, head on over to patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. $5 a month gets you access to a whole other show we do called Fun Chatty. It gets you access to our rad as heck discord full of very weird, very nice, very smart nerds. It gets you access to music playlists and more. It's a wild deal. You know you gotta. Patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. And of course, thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat. Hi, I'm Bijan Steven, and I play Remy Tester on Float City. You can find me online on Twitter at Bijan Steven, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitch at the same name, and on Instagram at Bijan Cakes. B-I-J-A-N Cakes. I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Mercus Imeldar. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Randwiches. That's the word sandwiches, but replace the S with an R. This is Shannon O'Dell. I play Beta Combat. You can find me on social at Shodell. Hello, this is Nick Gersio, and I play Lux on Fun City and Venos on Float City. You can find me at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter and in Gersio on Instagram. You spell Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O. I'm Taylor Moore, and I play all the cool, interesting characters. You can follow me at taylor.biz. <laughs> My name is Mike Rignetta. I am your GM, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rignetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun City Ventures. Float City is played in a soon-to-be-released system called Still Fleet, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Still Fleet. This episode of Float City was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York, and Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Apologies for the variance in sound quality. It was produced, edited, and sound designed by me, Mike Rugnetta. All powerful, and his looks flourish like the brows of morning. He is the spirit of prophecy, the ever-apparent 
pixel riffs. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall. Remy's flute playing is by Jake Fridkiss. Our art is by Tess Stone. Our Discord mods are Olivia Goulin, Kit, Pulliam, and Kestrel. And as always, the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton.